It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com, or you can visit one of their four locations, including their location in Knoxville, down on Kingston Pike, just below uh, Westtown Mall and across from Trader Joe's at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday edition of the podcast. It's the mailbag installment, which means we'll jump right into your questions. Plenty of them to get to today, and we'll start out of the gate with Sam Smith, 2233, who wants to know the following. This Tennessee baseball team is the best team, regardless of sport, at UT since when? His second question is, in your opinion, uh, which football player will get drafted first and who has the best pro career? Let's go with the second question first. Uh, who out of this class between Bayless Jones and Elante Taylor, and Butler and Cade Mays, Rob, who comes off the board first? Golly. I mean, I the mocks that I have seen, it's Velas or Velas, excuse me. I've been doing it for two and for three years, but I would, I mean, based on the, the nature of the position, I kind of thought it would be Elante after the way he ran. So I mean, because the quarterback's so valuable, I'll, I'll be a little surprised if it's not Elante, but again. Several mocks I've seen. I've seen Velas as, as high as the first, as the third round. I don't know about you guys. Who who has the best career in your opinion, long term? Who plays? The I think Cade. Okay, I think Cade. AP. I'll go Alante Taylor. First drafted because I think I don't know about that. Um, to me, okay. that's uh, you because know, it's it, it, once you get to the third or fourth round, Hubber. I a lot of it goes into need and. And that type of thing. Um, sometimes it's best available. Sometimes it's need, depending on the the, the team. Um, so I don't know about that, but I think you know. I just think he'll he'll play a long time because he can. He's versatile enough to play multiple different positions in the defensive secondary. What yeah. was his first question? Um, Tennessee's baseball team is the best team, regardless of sport, at UT since who? Since what team? Uh, the Chris Lofton, Jawan Smith, that group. That went to the Elite uh, Eight. No, they didn't go to the Elite Eight. They got cut out in the Sweet Sixteen. The Elite yeah, Eight team, a really good Louisville team, JP Prince group. Yeah. All right, Rob Lewis. Uh, I'll go with the Admiral Grant team. I, th- I mean, I thought they were. I thought that team was. Be- I mean, I love me some Chris Lofton, but I thought the eighteen nineteen team that got beat by Purdue in the Sweet Sixteen was the, the best team that I've seen over there this century, regardless of sport. Yeah, I think it's a little early to Peak tell. Too soon. I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, they did, and I think the question with this baseball team, I mean, you're in a you're in a marathon here, um, not not a sprint. Now, th- this team is throwing it better than anybody could ever imagine. They've been dominant on the mound. Uh, we, we'll see. I mean, ask that question again in in late May and see where this see where that that argument stacks up with with where it's at compared to right now. I mean, there's seven. There are seven regular season SEC series left for this team to play. Uh, it's 21 more conference games to play before you even think about postseason play. So you got seven weeks of baseball before you even think about playing in, in any kind of postseason tournament. Long ways to go, but obviously a great start for this baseball team. Uh, Alval Recruiting wants to know, update on Bryson Sanders after receiving an Ole Miss prediction. Chances with Jeremiah Cobb, Cameron Selden, and Roderick Robinson, Jr.? I mean, does he still right there with Bryson Sanders? Um, 
you know, I mean, I don't think that he's some lock for Ole Miss. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think Bryson Sanders is just fine. Um, if Tennessee didn't get him, I wouldn't sweat it, though. I mean, I mean, I, I, do, 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 does, does Tennessee want him? Sure. But, you know, again, I think there are um, several offensive linemen that are right around the same level. And so, you know, if, if you, you know, you go hard for him, if you don't get him, they'll get somebody that's pretty similar. Um, you just, you know, you want the, you want him because of the appearance of an in-state kid going elsewhere is, you know, not a good look, especially when you're, you know, you're in position with several of these other kids in the state. Um, Cameron Selden, Tennessee likes him a lot. We'll see uh, how his recruitment starts to take shape. You know, I expect him to get more and more and more interest and I expect him to take more visits and, you know, we'll see what twists and turns are down the road. Who are the other ones? Roderick Robinson and yep. recruiting him in it when said the leader report and then well, jeremiah cobb uh same thing with cobb yeah i mean robinson's got to get to campus and see tennessee if, if that's going to be a factor i mean all the west coast schools are starting to, to to really jump up in his recruitment right yeah i mean so that that you know he's got to get here to see that he's been to cal a couple times usc's just offered so the west coast is starting to take off a little bit for him tennessee was in there early and, and obviously he's liked tennessee for a while but to me, it's that like would, Noah Rogers. I mean, until he gets here, right? It's kind of hard for me to see them as a real, you know. Yeah, once he gets here, that changes in a hurry, in my opinion. But you know, as of now, yeah, he's got to get here. Uh, where's the? This is from Panic Ball. Where's the development of these following offensive linemen that Pruitt, or following linemen that Pruitt signed? And more importantly, does this current staff think of their abilities? Do they fit in the system? Prospects of helping the program in the future? William Parker, R.J. Perry, James Robinson, Amari McNeil. Dominic Bailey. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to be cruel here or harsh. I mean, William Parker's the youngest of that crew uh, in terms of kind of where he's at. Um, maybe he can develop into something. But R.J. Perry does not seem to be a factor uh, at at all at the tackle spot right now. Um, McNeil's not been a factor on the on the defensive side. Um, same for Bailey. James Robinson doesn't seem to be a factor either. So. Uh, I, I think none of those guys have made early noise in spring, and uh, we'll you know we'll see what happens. But right now, um, I, I don't see those guys factoring in to, to the two deep and being a real factor for Tennessee this fall. What he said. I mean, I was don't I mean, don't you think that's an underrated storyline for for this team? I mean, the, we we talk about depth on the offensive line, and a year ago or you know a year and a half ago, you would have looked at. R.J. Perry and, and James Robinson in particular, as you know, Parker was just you know getting here as, a, as an early enrollee. But those two guys were, were two guys. You know, if it it and they still may work out. I'm with you, however. I don't don't need to be harsh, but those are two guys that could have been big pieces of the puzzle. Maybe not this year, but next year if they were just solid develop developmental prospects. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you look at a guy like R.J. Perry, and I mean, he's got the frame and and things to work with, and and same for James Robinson from a physicality standpoint, but. Uh, you know, I, I just look at where they're at right now. The opportunities have been there for them previously. They haven't made any noise. There's obviously a huge opportunity at tackle. There was a year ago, uh, and, and he could R.J. Perry couldn't be a factor. And, and right now, he's not a name that comes up in the conversation at, at tackle. And um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, for whatever reason, those guys have just been that's just been missed. That you know, they, they appear to be misses. Again, we we've seen guys turn it on late um, in their career. We'll see if these guys can turn it on. We'll see if anything happens with them. But to this point, halfway through spring, that those guys are not names 
uh, that, that you're hearing, you know, behind the scenes or, or on the front line in, in terms of guys talking about them, you know, in, in any way, shape, or form. So we'll see. And, and, and you're right. Like Parker is the one guy, you know, you just mean like technically he's still at the end of his true freshman year. You know, you forget about that when they get here early and you see him right. last spring, you see him all last fall. But, you know, in theory, he's still a young kid. And, and honestly, I think he needed, some, you know, not that he's, you know, I think he's just kind of a, he's a kind of a cut up. I think he probably needed to mature a little bit off the field anyway. Again, great kid. So when I say mature, that's not a bad thing. Just, you know, learning how to work and, and, and you know, do things off the field. Um, you know, the rest of those, I mean, I don't you feel like that they're, they're, they're a possibility for the portal, you know, if, 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 if they elect to be. Yeah, right. They, they certainly could be. I mean, when people say well, any names to watch, I mean, that would be in a group of guys that, 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 you know, you would take a look at it as possibilities out there. And we'll see. I mean, you know, the thing about it, the adjustment, when you talk about maturity, the adjustment to college is that it's a job to play football. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a job to play any sport. And, and that's, I mean, Rob, you, you talk about this with, with, in basketball with, with Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and it's not that Brandon's immature. He's a problem. It's just, the, the work that's required, the grind that's required to work year-round to play is something that they haven't experienced. Those guys haven't experienced before in sports. And for some guys, it's a longer adjustment period than it is for others. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this in both sports. I mean, when you've been literally, you know, with few exceptions, just about everybody that we cover in, in football or basketball has, has been the best player on their team in whatever sport, going back to kindergarten, whether they work hard at it or not. And, you know, it's, it's just a different way of life. What you get here and get smacked in the face with, you know, everybody is as good as you are, you know, and, and the, what, what separate with very few exceptions, you know, there, you know, Eric Berry had, if he'd been the laziest student on the team, could have probably still been the best player. There aren't many of those guys, you know, once you get here, you, you've got to put in the work. Yeah. And certainly, yeah. and particularly at the line of, in the line of scrimmage, because, those are places where you've just pushed kids around and dominated with, without a lot of technique and a lot of work. And you, you don't realize there's a development sometimes that, that you need to have. Um, and it, for some guys, it takes a while to figure that out. So we'll see what happens with them. Really no different than working at Volkmest Hubs. I mean, when Ben and Eric came in, Robin, you smacked them in the mouth. And they didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> we, you're the one smacking them around. I mean, I can't believe you made those guys pick up your groceries every Friday like that. I mean, that was rough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm my, how many if times that's the case, I'm gonna have them come mulch my yard. <laughs> I was gonna say, if you hear a buzzing sound right now, that's Eric Kane mowing mowing Austin's yard. <laughs> that's right. Ben's out there waxing the car right now. Little little wax on, wax off for those guys. Um, and and Run wants to know. Uh, who do you have for the first loss in SEC plays in SEC play for the baseball team? Letdown game or Arkansas? I, I don't know. I mean, look, they don't play Arkansas. They don't play Arkansas in the regular season. No, yeah, they don't. so they he's don't. saying they're not going to lose to the tournament. <laughs> well, I mean, that's unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my thing is, is like, you know, I don't think that, I don't think they'll lose this weekend. Um, I think they'll be really motivated because with a couple of wins, they can set a new record for most wins to start league play. So I think they'll be motivated. I don't, I don't, to me, like Georgia, Florida, one of the, one of those series, you know, they'll trip up. And, and, and the question State, is, maybe who? Yeah, Mississippi, State. Mississippi State. Yeah, which is Latin, the last series of the year. Yeah, I, well, probably, probably before then. Yeah. My, my biggest thing would be like, how do they lose hubs? Do they lose because their bats go cold? 
or do they lose because one of the pitchers finally wakes up from being unconscious? Because, I mean, they're all just like, you know, both sides are, are playing and, and unbelievably well right now. Well, I mean, it's baseball. And, again, as I said earlier, there, there's 21 conference games left. They're not going to – they're not going 30-0 and 0 in league play. Uh, I mean, there's going to be – And if they do, then they're sure not winning the national title. <laughs> to me, you want them to lose a few. Like, like at some yeah, point, I mean, like, you, you – you, there's going to be a night where you don't score a bunch of runs, you leave guys on base, and you find yourself in a one-run game late, and you give up, you know, you give up a hit or a blown save. I mean, something that's just baseball. That, that's just what's going to happen. Uh, Tony Rojas uh, eval after talking to him on Tuesday. Vols got a real shot there. Austin Price. Yeah, they do. I mean, how do you not? I mean, if Tennessee, if, if you, you saw his quote. I mean, Tennessee's the only school that's locked into the top three. So, like, you know. If that's the case, and I'm just taking the kid at his word, then, you know, they definitely got a real shot at this kid. doesn't mean they're going to get him, but it means that they're at least positioning themselves to be in it for the long haul. And uh, he was blown away by the two days here. That was a random two days in the middle of spring, in the middle of the week. You know what I mean? Like, he did get that one-on-one time that you don't get if there's, like, 60 other kids here. Sure. But at the same time, like, it ain't like, like the, there's a big – bunch of juice and vibe on campus that just goes, oh, gotta, you know, get him down here for a game in the fall and then, you know, let that kind of marinate with him. Who does something first, Zach Myers, Brandon Strosher, or Kent, Christian Conyers? I think Conyers is the last of those three because I don't think he's, he's he's as close as the I other agree. two. But I don't have a timetable for the other two at this point. I agree. And the other two, it's a coin flip because they both talked about doing something either April or May. And so, you know, it's – or they could do something in right. Or they could do something in June or July. I mean, those things change all the time. So, so we'll see what happens. But they they certainly appear to be appear to be further along in their timetable than, than Conyers does. Uh, based on what you know today, who do you take in a one season year between Joe Milton, Taven Jackson, and Nico? Rob, I, I don't I don't think you can answer this question. I can't answer this question. I've never seen Nico, okay, and I've never seen Taven Jackson, so. I mean, Nico's the most talented of the three. Joe throws the best ball, has the strongest arm of the three. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, that, that's to me, that's an impossible question to answer. I, I'll, I'll answer it this way. If it's close, a coach has told – multiple coaches have always told me, whether it be at the high school level, college level, whatever, if it's close, always go with the kid that you're going to have longer. So, like, if it's close, you're going to go with the younger kids. So, that, you know, takes Joe Milton out of play unless he's light years better than the other two. Yeah, um, I, and, I agree with and that. Then, and, and then at that point, like, you know, you're going to play the best player. Like, all that NIL stuff aside, like, jo- Josh Hype ain't just throwing the guy out there, you know, unless he's the guy, yeah, you know. Sure. So, um, you know, if, if again, unless Joe Milton is light years better – I'm always going to go with Tatum Jackson or Nico. They're younger. They have a lot more time in your system. Yeah. Uh, Vols 98, Rob, to you. If Josh Heupel could only accomplish one of the three things next season, what would you choose? Beat Florida, win nine regular season games, secure a top five recruiting class. Wow. That's a good one. I would I would say secure a top five recruiting class, even though my, my knee-jerk reaction would be beat Florida. But for the long-term health of the program – I would say top five recruiting glass. Rob or Austin, I'm going to jump in here because I'm going to I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say two because I think if you win nine regular season games, that means you've beaten Florida, and I think that further secures you an opportunity to have a top five recruiting class. So how about I cheat? How about I cheat and take B? 
they, they all work together. And, 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 you know, especially the first two things you just talked about. You can, you can beat Florida, get nine wins, and not get a top five class. True. But the, the likelihood is, you know, you're not getting to nine wins if you don't beat the Gators. Like, I think, I think for Tennessee to, to, to take a step, which means win eight, nine, or more, they have to run the table in September. They've got to be Pitt. they got to beat Florida. they got to go into the bye week in the first of October undefeated, which means they're coming out of the bye week undefeated going to Baton Rouge. And at that point, you know, even if you lose to Florida – or, sorry, Georgia, Alabama, and LSU, and, you know, maybe even Hiccup, you're still getting to eight, like, you know, in, in my opinion. So, you know, you've got that some of the September's huge. Yeah, I agree. And the question is, can you? I mean, can you beat Florida at home? I mean, can you can you finally beat them? I mean, you weren't last year, but so many years, so many times you've been better than them, you know. And at the time they played last year, Tennessee wasn't better than them. But so many times they have been, and Tennessee's just failed to get it done. Well, so well, you have to see it to believe it, huh? I've got to believe it to see it, see it to believe it, and everything else in between. Just remember what Charlie said in the Santa Claus movie: "Seeing is believing, and believing is seeing." Thanks. I appreciate those words of wisdom today. That's outstanding. Uh, Peyton for Preds wants to know, where do the Vols stand with Deshaun Bishop and Caleb Herring? Well, uh, Deshaun Bishop doesn't seem like he's in any rush. He just visited Purdue. Caleb Herring, Tennessee's in, uh, you know, is, is in as good a spot as they can be, period. Um, clearly, Tennessee struggled in short yardage situations last year. Was that a lack of a power back? Can Justin Williams Thomas be that guy? What's the short yardage issue in your opinion, Rob Lewis? I thought it was offensive line. I mean, I mean they did not have a power back that did not help. But I just, I mean, against the good teams, I mean, against, I mean, it, it, everybody had problems running against Alabama and Georgia. But I mean, against the good teams on the schedule, I just, I just didn't think they could move people. Get under center. Get yeah, I agree with center. that too. But I, I hate it. I hate that. More than anything in, in, in football at, at high school, college, I, I hate being in shotgun in short yardage. It drives me bananas. What <laughs> does that drive you more bananas or taking a knee out of the shotgun late in games? Uh, that that, that doesn't. That, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't bother, bother me. me. I don't care. They can they can snap it to the punter and take a knee. That doesn't bother me. To, to anything to the when it's third and short, particularly when the college officials. Nobody's blowing a play dead. They're letting your rugby push it as far as you want to, right? So, so put your quarterback under center and put your big lineman back behind him at the fullback position and just push. Just push. That would be my – I mean, in terms of third and inches or fourth and inches, that would be my recommendation for short yardage. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that, but, you know, that's, that's just me. I do think a, a bigger back would help. Um, and I think quarterback runs would, would help as well. I mean, further growing uh, the, the quarterback run game there. So we'll see. Artful Dodger 7, it's out there that Trevor Duncan wants to decide something by the end of spring practices. Where do the Vols stand if a decision is coming that quickly? You talk to him, Austin. Is is that timetable really accurate end of spring? I think before, I think before he breaks um, high school academically for the summer break. So you think, you think so, at the latest in May? I think the, May, yeah. Yeah, okay. Where's Tennessee there? Um, I think they're in a good spot. Uh, I think he's going to try to get back to Virginia Tech and Tennessee again. He's going to be at Vanderbilt this weekend. Um, his brother is a walk-on at Virginia Tech. 
Um, I don't think that that's some kind of like, I mean, he may end up there, but I mean, I don't think that's some, you know, well, his brother's there, so he's going to go there type thing. Um, you know, and, and Tennessee's recruiting him the hardest. He hears routinely from Glenn Ellerby, Rodney Gardner, and Josh Heupel. And I'm talking like basically every day of the week, he's hearing from somebody on the staff. Yeah. Uh, volunteered 87. Question for you, Austin. When are you dropping the Rojas video that you filmed earlier this week? Ha, ha, ha. If Ben McKee is on this podcast, he's not. He's out washing Austin's car right now. Uh, maybe we can get Austin to holler out the window at him. Does he know the metrics on average number of runs between Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday games over the last few seasons? Logic would say more runs as the weekend goes on and teams move down their pitching pecking order, but I'm curious if it plays out that way. Um, I think it depends on how you how you handle a Friday night pitcher. Do you push a Friday night pitcher and get a, a team into their bullpen? Uh, if you get the starter out on Friday night for a lot of teams and make them work their bullpen, then traditionally your runs go up. And traditionally Sunday games have been higher scoring games um, than, than others because teams run out of pitching. That's just, you know, that, that's kind of th- the tradition of it. But a lot of that hinges on how, how you affect the Friday night starter. That's the biggest benefit, Rob, that Tennessee's got of their pitchers right now is they've got guys going into the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning every night. And they got a complete game uh, performance out of, out, of, um, out of the kid on Sunday. I mean, I mean, that's the difference for Tennessee right now is they're not getting to their – nobody's getting to their bullpen early, which changes their fortune of everything. I mean, Tennessee had everybody at their disposal Sunday afternoon uh, in Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt if they needed them, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't follow it as closely as Ben does, but as, as somebody you know, who, who watches them and just enjoys it, the, the, the pitching this year is just – it's lights out. I mean, last year it was all – you know, once you got past Tidwell, it was always – you know, it seemed like smoke and mirrors, you know, you'd have to score a bunch of runs. I mean, this year, I mean, golly, they, they could have, against Vandy, could they have won every game if they scored two runs? Am I, am I misremembering? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, three they runs. could have yeah, averaged two runs a game and, and swept yeah. the series. Yeah, they'd have had to score three on Saturday night. I'm sorry, that's right. They Vanderbilt did, got they two, two, two home runs. They've, run they've given up 11 total runs the last two weekends. It's ridiculous. 11. It's just it's a stupid number. I mean, it's just a dumb. I mean, it's just a dumb number. I mean, it's crazy to think that that's where they are. And and and, and three of those was similar to you know, they they start looking at you know the metrics of all that stuff, and they pulled Beam out at that Sunday game after he gave up that single. Then you know they bring in the reliever, and you know he gives up a three run bomb. Yeah, that's exactly you know, much right. like he like much like you know they pulled. Then their one loss of the year, they pulled out, you know, Chase Burns against Texas, and then the, you know, the bullpen gave up, what four or five more? Yeah, they did. And he, I mean, and, and Tony Vitello said after that game, he should have left Chase Burns in the game and let him go more, uh, and and not had him on as hard of a pitch count as he did. Uh, where does Tennessee stand with Sammy Brown? Uh, Sammy Brown's got some family in East Tennessee. He's got some ties to East Tennessee. He's been up here a couple of times, but I think Sammy Brown's going to be a long shot. Georgia's in that, Clemson's in that, Alabama's in that. Uh, he was at Michigan earlier this week in Alabama as well. I think he'll come back and see Tennessee. I think he's going to give Tennessee a, a legitimate look, but uh, he's going to be he's going to be an important prospect for a lot of teams around the conference, including the in-state Bulldogs, Clemson, where he's been multiple times, Alabama as well. So I, I think I think Tennessee will keep battling there, but I think that one's going to be a long shot ultimately to, to get Sammy Brown. Uh, Uncle Nico wants to know, the majority of football prospects that visit Tennessee absolutely rave about the visit and staff. 
Could you shed some light on what this particular staff is doing compared to previous staffs that have these kids amped up? Rob, how many how many people through the last fifteen years have said publicly they had a bad visit? I was gonna say I was getting ready to say and I don't you, mean to you be, can count on one hand. Yeah, I don't mean to be a smart aleck, but I mean no, virtually no kid that has gone anywhere had a bad visit. I mean, we all know forward player. I have a really good buddy. It was a forward player back in the nineties, and he, he I mean he took five visits to various schools and told me he was he was ready to commit after every you know every, every school he visited. That's where he was going you know, on Monday after he got back. And I think a lot of kids are like that. I mean, you go to these places, everybody has phenomenal facilities. You're rolling out the red carpet. I mean, if you're on an official visit, you go eat, you know, three or four great meals. You stay in a nice hotel. Nobody has a bad time on these visits. No, they don't. I think the staff, though, Austin, when you look at them, I think it's with these guys, it's been about more than just football. It's not just been football one-on-one with them, which resonates with some kids pretty well. I, I think, you know, a lot of kids get some, you know, pretty good one-on-one attention here. And um, I mean, I think this staff's doing a good job. I just think that I can't tell you who's done a bad job, who does a bad job. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's yeah, correct. It's easy. Like it, you know, when you factor in that, like when most kids come, they think they're coming And I know it's hard for people to believe this, but they think that Tennessee is like cow fields, and 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 all this and all of a sudden they get here and they fly driving from the airport and you roll down by the river and you see downtown which has got multiple buildings that are pretty big and it it feels like a city not not you know rural america not Um, auburn yeah well there you go um and so like it it, i think all of a sudden it's like whoa whoa and like so like i think some kids come in with different expectations so it kind of blows them away with just the city in general staffs do a good job obviously the facilities sell themselves tradition stadiums big you know all the the academic side of stuff all that plays in and uh, and and tennessee's fans have a huge impact they do i mean they'll they'll, they'll have a huge impact on you know guys like Kyler casper or carnell tate or whoever it doesn't mean they're going to necessarily end up here but it, it definitely like gets kids excited to come and take a look at it yeah it does i mean you know if a kid has a bad time generally that means he really didn't want to visit he, he's doing it out of some obligation he promised a coach and there's been a few it. of those over the years they oh, come absolutely. up here yeah sure there has been everywhere you know yeah. i mean like preston williams going to auburn yeah and you have i mean you know brady james the linebacker at lsu was one of those guys i mean he didn't have a good visit and nobody at tennessee really enjoyed visiting with him when he was here uh but you know very rarely do you have those situations happen because everybody knows how to put on a good show and they do put on a good show. Um, in order to finish the previously proposed renovations to Lindsey Nelson Stadium, will they all be completed by the time the stadium opens next baseball season? Rob, if you're going to spend $57 million, you're not getting it all done in one year. No, it's not close. I've actually talked to um, um, a friend of mine who's involved in the excuse me, in the new Smokies ballpark downtown and whose company hopes to be involved in whatever they do at at Lindsey Nelson. And it's, we're talking years. It's not, I mean, years. I don't, I don't think 24. Yeah. I mean, I think you're just going to do it in phases. I mean, you got to do things uh, as you go. Uh, I just don't think you can um, get one, you know, when you're doing renovations, you got a lot of work that nobody sees that has to take place 
for the renovations to happen as opposed to a brand new construction. And two, you got material concerns, material issues, labor shortages, lots of things involved there. I, I just don't see that you're going to break. I mean, you're not even going to break ground to, on anything until sometime late summer at the earliest of fall. So uh, I don't see any way that you're going to get everything done in one off season with renovations to Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Final question, and we're out the gate here. This comes from Brooks, 1972. Do you see much transfer movement in the portal in the spring? Or do you think the guys heading that direction made that move in January? Not asking for names, rather looking at space. We we may need to be fit, needing to fill. Um, look, I mean, I mean, you're going to see movement everywhere around the country in January. Yep. You're going to see movement everywhere around the country in May. Anytime like, they can. Yeah, Tennessee's not going to be immune to that. I mean, you know that they're going to have they'll have somebody. I'm sure going the portal once spring practice is over. Um, you know, that's a given. Um, and in Tennessee will be active in the portal trying to get guys in. Same thing's going on with basketball, right, Rob? I mean, you've had a couple of movement. You may not be done with movement there. And Tennessee's out there trying to plug the holes from the movement that they probably expected from guys who have moved to this point. So, um, you know, I think in the spring you don't have as many surprises probably. To, you know what I mean? I mean, I think you kind of have an idea if a guy's going to go um, – more than you do maybe at the end of a regular season if a guy, you know, kind of surprises you that way. But I think if you're doing a good job as a coach, Rob, you've got a pretty good handle on your roster management. Movement shouldn't be stunning to you at this I was, point. I was going to say, I, I, I would wager to guess that there are very few surprises of guys going to the transfer portal in, in either sport. Probably, I mean, more so in basketball. I mean, I can promise you that nobody's gone to the portal, you know, these past couple of years when it's been a big thing and basketball has been a remote surprise the coaches and staff and it might be a little different in football because you're talking about 85 kids but i bet i i bet there have been very few times where a coach's jaw has just hit the floor and it's like man i can't believe you know joe bob's leaving yeah the the one thing i'll say about spring that's different austin in my opinion you may disagree with me here i, I think there's more unknowns in basketball because they're leaving at the end of the regular season so kids are in terms of options out there, it's a little more unknown. I think when football kids leave in the spring, at the end of spring, I think those guys, when they go in the portal, have a pretty idea, pretty good idea of where they're going, even more than they did when they went in the portal in, in December or first of January. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I think those kids have a some of those kids have a better idea of where they're going late in the spring. You're looking at me like I, I got two heads. No, I think I think no matter whether you go in December or or May. Like, I think, you know, the best players that go in have an idea. Like, I, I just think that there's so much, you know, you know, faux tampering going on where, like, you know, the prospects on your own team or the players on your own team call player X that they know and, hey, we need a linebacker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, like, I, I think that, that happens both both times because I just think that there's just so much, you know, kind of faux tampering going on um, and, you know, I don't so know. The, I mean, so the I, best, the be, the most talented guys know where they're going. The guys who I aren't think so. as talented are, are I, I more. Mean, the, one thing about the, the one thing Rob said, just about the basketball. You know, Tennessee had all those kids go in the portal last year. Um, I mean, like the like the the Keyshawn Lawrence's, the Henry Totos, like. But that was on such coaching change. Like no, you know, I'm with Rob. No one has went in the portal this offseason that left the staff going. Oh my God, we can can't believe we lost that kid. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, again, roster management, if you're established as a coach and you're not a brand-new coach here's, coming in. Here's the other thing. We talked about this yesterday. 
a lot of kids have been rumored for the portal in the last six months. I'm yet to see any of them that went in there that you like you're like, man, I, that one surprises me, surprises me. Like sometimes you're not, you know, you're not caught off guard, but like I think some of these kids are seeing too, like, there's a ton of kids in the portal. If I don't have anything lined up beforehand, I don't need to go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, Rob, I, I read somewhere where there's like 1,200 basketball kids in the portal right now. Life here is pretty good, like that. even if I'm not playing. Yeah, I mean, it's just – got to be careful. You get yourself in a position where uh, you're not getting four meals, five meals on a, on a game day on a road trip at, at some smaller school. Uh, you, you better have a pretty good idea of where you stand and where you're going uh, when you move around because there's going to be some basketball kids again – looking for a place that don't have a place to play um, but because there's more there's more people in the portal than there's spots for um, at, at the at the level that these kids are wanting to transfer to. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll keep close tabs on the portal. Obviously, baseball this weekend, football scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, plenty of coverage of all that coming up at VolQuest.com. But that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics for Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Quest.